stepping back and stroke in two. Bogdanovich thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again. No double team help and B takes it right to the rack. What's going on, everybody? It is a new episode of the Feed to Embiid. It is Tuesday, uh, December 20th. It's been about a month since we did our last episode. I wanted to bring on the best of the best that I have to give you in this market. Rich Hoffman of The Athletic, your work is fantastic. How are you doing tonight? Austin, I'm doing fine. Thank you for that uh, that nice introduction. I'm not sure it actually is true. but oh, it's true. Will. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Rich, this team we cover is that there's something. Um, they are up by nine with 30 seconds left against the Lakers. You need overtime to win. Next night, Embiid scores maybe the, the easiest 53 points uh, you've ever seen in your life against the Hornets. Then they blow the doors off the, off a decent Sacramento team. Then they let Golden State hang around just long enough to keep you interested. And then, of course, last night, Monday night, they piss away a, a very winnable game against Toronto that they ultimately ended up winning didn't have to be as difficult as it was. Um, they've won five in a row. They are plus 64 in those five games. So that's an average margin of about 13. I don't know. I feel like they, I could, you can easily identify ways that they could play better. Yeah. No, this is not a parade time, I would say. Uh, it's Look, at the beginning of this season, though, it was bad and they were losing, too. Yeah. So, you know, I think we've kind of talked about it, I'm sure, I've talked about it with you at games and stuff too. Just, I don't know, the general apathy around this team and kind of, you know, do people believe in them? And like, sometimes I feel like we get a lot of questions like, oh, like this team has no chance to win a championship. They're not even questions really. It's just people telling us yeah. that or whatever. And it's like, look, I, you're probably right. Like if you're going to go with that. But uh, that's also, you know, four months from now until that actually starts getting decided. And uh, right now it's like, the teams they're playing are not very good. Like, I think that's fair to say this has been a home stand where you got to fatten up against these teams, right? You got to, you got to get these wins. That said, that happens to everybody all over the league. They're also not playing with Tyrese Maxey during these games. Yeah. They're also playing with like, you know, that, that Golden State game honestly felt like the first time all year where it was like, oh, the other team has a bunch of guys out where the Sixers weren't actually that team for the first time. So I guess that's like a long-winded way of saying, like, I completely agree with you. Like, I'm not a, like, wow, this is a juggernaut by like yeah. all means. But but I think they're probably a little bit better than the market thinks. Like, I think the, the ability to uh, to take care of business is underrated, and and I feel like you know if they can continue to get these wins, like maybe that Clippers game will be hard, but they'll probably go six and one at least on this on this homestand, and then have some pretty easy games after that as well. Um, they got a lot of work to do still, but it, it is better to have a lot of work to do, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about in more detail after this, um, while you're winning. And that, that's, I guess, how I would put it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are certain things like you, you watch in, in, in the games and you're like, like this, this is okay for now. This is all kosher now. It works because they're playing, you know, the, the, the dog shit of the league, like the Hornets. And then, the, then, you know, like, they play the same way against a good team. They're going to get their doors blown off. Um, you know, last night, I mean, you know, 
there is some shot making luck in there, right? They they couldn't make an open three to save their lives. The Anthony shot two of eleven from three. They, if he makes three of those shots, they win the game. They probably put the game away by halftime. They probably demoralized Toronto, take them out of the game. He picked the right night to be off. Yeah, not exactly right. Um, and you know, I I guess it it we've seen this team over the years. They get off to these rampage starts. They're twenty and seven in 2019-20. Granted, that was the year Ben got hurt. Um, you know, the two years, you know, the, the year before that, they were above water before they got Jimmy, and then they kind of took off. They they they've had very good starts to seasons, but they've peaked too early. So I feel like while the fan base can be up in arms that this isn't the bag of goods that was promised at the start of the season, and it was promised. Yeah, you're also not you're also not trying to win championships in November in December. You're you're trying to peak somewhere in the 2022 calendar year. You know. Yeah, and I think like last night's game against Toronto, perfect example. Uh, they didn't play that well. I think you know what? I thought they played really well in the first half. I thought yeah. their their ball movement and they just couldn't make a shot. Like Melton, I, I understand like people just look at the the three point line. It's like oh the variance. I thought the Sixers shots in the first half were awesome. Like yeah. I thought they really could have shot like sixty percent in that half. They were kind of just completely picking apart the Raptors. And then it, it was kind of like that game in March against the Raptors last year where I, I think that was the first quarter they played well. And then after that, like Toronto just completely shuts them down and it's yeah. ugly and it turns into ISO ball and they're not picking them apart at all. And Harden's holding it and Embiid's holding it and all of those things. So it's that's like the perfect example. And then I would say even like you get the overtime. I mean, th- th- their execution was terrible. Like it wasn't good. Harden, I don't know, Harden kept <laughs> – I'm sure you obviously noticed this as well – they kept like running pick and roll where Anunobi was guarding Embiid to start and they were getting the switch, which I think it's like, okay, you want Harden had Barnes on him. It's like, okay, well then you throw it back to Embiid like with Barnes yeah. on him. Yeah. Then Harden's like, I think he did it twice. He was like, all right, I'm going to ISO against Anunobi, which is like the worst this. matchup in the league. What is going on? Yeah. yeah. He's like the favorite for DPOI. And they're like, oh, let's just run with this. Like, why not? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, like, I lately when I when I write my game stories, I keep coming back to I can't watch the ISO ball so much. I can't watch the elbow five with Joel, the elbow, uh, the elbow flat with Joel. So when they do get back to pick and roll, which they've done a lot more in the last few games, it feels like I'm like, okay, well, this is this, this, this is fine. This is like, you know, a very simple play that they had a lot of success with last season, except when they get into these ruts where they don't move the ball at all, they're. Their, their baseline of what their default for what they go to is just okay you three stand around the, in the around the arc and james and i are just going to spam pick and roll until someone figures it out it's very easy to figure out <laughs> it's very easy to to to, to oh we're just going to switch this or maybe we're just going to you know hedge or whatever and then you know the the they get it to joe and then everyone's converging on him i feel like there needs to be a lot more of screen actions that are easy to implement with this team like how about a back screen how about a flare screen how about you run some split actions something that's a little bit more intricate than oh i'm just going to screen the ball and then i'm going to pop to the elbow or pop out or dive to the rim it would be cool to see harden run some split action right like if if he's not going to get all the way to the rim right like if you're going to just like kind of run into a wall down there why don't you turn around and post up and then you're a great passer and you know maybe have them bead screen for like uh I don't even know who the shooter would be. Maybe, maybe Tobias at this point. Like, yeah. He's like running off screens at this point. Um, probably could do it with Melton a little bit too and, and shake even. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely think 
there's like a lack of diversity. Okay, that said, I, I agree with you. Like, I think that Houston game a couple weeks ago, and I, I will say, in fairness to Harden, like, probably shouldn't have been playing in that game. Like, yeah. clearly was rusty after that super long layoff because of the injury. Uh, so, but but that was like a nightmare. That was like they just kept running ISO, and you saw it a little bit in the overtime of last night's game. Like Joel ran a couple of bad ISOs. So I struggle with it a little bit because, like, it's like you said, I do like when they run pick and roll. But what happens when teams switch? Because that's what teams are going to do. And then then all of the good hard and pick and roll stuff kind of goes away unless it's there's like a super uh, favorable mismatch like on Embiid. Maybe that there will be sometimes. And, Harden will have some pep in his step some days. But I did look up uh, over the past couple of days because I was curious about this. Their ISO numbers and synergy as a team, they're pretty awesome, man. They're, they ISO – and look, it's only you know 15% of their offense or like 14%. They ISO the third most in the league, and they're the most efficient by a mile at it. Like really? 1.1 points per 100 when they shoot or pass out of it. So I don't really know what to do with it because like – Look, if you ask me, because I haven't dug deep into it, I'm not. I have not watched all of those freaking possessions. Maybe, maybe one point. Maybe that's a good story for me or you or somebody else to write at some point. Uh, to me, I, I bet you that's in large part due to the Joel going crazy games. But I think, like you said, I mean, you, you gave uh, you gave Charlotte a little crap there. Uh, you know, the, the dregs of the league. By the way, uh, real quick on Charlotte, have you seen Mason Plumlee shooting these shots? Like, not just. I love it. Free throws. He's shooting it. shots left-handed. I love it. It's fantastic. It's it's one of my favorite. Like, are we sure he this is real? Like, like and it, it, it's like this thing where the ball doesn't go above his his left shoulder. No, it's it's a it's it's a, it's a legitimate shot put that that he does. And goddamn it, it works. Like he's a, he's like like he's made progress as a free throw shooter. And you know, like, and you think back to Ben, like when 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 people were. We're like thinking, like, is Ben lefty or righty? And I kind of, I'm like, I'm like, when you do it that way, it doesn't look like it's that hard of an adjustment to make. You just need to put in a couple summers of repetition. But he's starting to shoot like elbow level jump shots that are eh, with some confidence as a lefty, which is wild to watch. It's it's honestly that and the cornet jumping like from you know ten feet away thing. Those are my two favorite. Maybe it's just because they're goofy uh, white guys that are doing it, both of them, yeah. two tall white guys, uh, that are adding to the the humor of it. But, like, he made a, a fadeaway shot the other night, and the I think it's that worldwide wob guy. Like, yeah. he, like, zooms in on the other team's bench if he shoots it in front of him. And, like, the disgust that these guys have watching that ball go in because of how ugly it is. It's like one of my favorite things. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I got yeah. off track there. But no, 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 I love it. I love I it. I was just laughing really hard about that the other day. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. Uh, the, the ISO, if I had to guess, those ISO numbers are probably buoyed by Embiid against Charlotte, Embiid against Utah, where like, I think it's fair to point out like against the best defenses, is that's going to, is that actually going to work? Like, I mean, Toronto is a team that, I struggle with like defensively. I feel like the Sixers kind of proved last year. Eh, I don't know. Like if you, you actually like understand what they're trying to do and come in with a mindset that you're going to ping the ball around and all of those things. Like there were like three of those games where they scored a billion points in those games. Yeah. And it's not, not by isolating either too, for the most part. Um, 
I agree. I, I think when when it looks bad, you're just like, there's there's got to be another club in your bag. Uh, it does though seem right now though, because like Doc says it at these press conferences all the time, like we have an action and a shot that Joel wants to shoot at the end of the game. So it's clear like that elbow thing is like something they're going to lean on a lot, but I, I'm with you. Like, and by the way, I think Joe is a great passer out of that. Like when it's a team yeah. that it's especially like those bad teams, when it's a team that like is too small for him and they have to shrink the floor, they have to shade in. I mean, he's his highest assist percentage of his career. And it's like not a mistake. Like he's, yeah. he is baiting these double teams, but I, I guess like this is like a very long winded set a way of saying like, I, I, I get why they're doing it. But I, I'm also with you because I just don't think it's good enough against the best of the best. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, well, I just think like I wonder how much those ISO numbers factor in, like the fact that they run elbow five at like an obscene volume. And then it works for them because of how good of a mid range shooter he is. If, if this was three or four years ago before Doc came and before he started to take it seriously, you'd be, it would, wouldn't be as good as it is because his his mid-range jumper was like a 42% shot. Now it's like, I think last that I want to say it was like 46 when he had his, his like MVP first candidacy year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's, it's going to wear him down because they're going to double eventually so hard. And when he gets tired, he makes a lot of, of mistakes, particularly with putting the ball on the floor, passing to people that aren't there. And by the way, while we're on the, on the, the topic of passing and ball handling, I st- uh, James has gotten better at this over the last couple of games, probably because his conditioning has gotten better. The decision making he's that, that Harden has made in, in recent weeks has been uh, a little mind boggling. The, the Houston game, the shot that he takes to to win the game, you know, in regular crazy, like crazy. that was a, that was a, that was an ego shot where you know this used to be my team and i'm going to make sure that they remember that that's what that was yep and then you know the couple passes there there was the lakers game where he was where he's taking on pressure and he throws this ridiculous cross-court pass that gets intercepted for a turnover in that insane fourth quarter yeah two of them them. then he got stripped on the other one too he was actively throwing that game yeah the end of that game no it was it was it was horrendous to watch but i i I gotta i gotta think that i probably trust their decision making in crunch time a little better than those these these games have shown but there just isn't enough diversity to what they're doing and the annoying part is you i know they have it in their playbook because they are obsessed with chicago action they will they love running chicago's with pj down screening for d'anthony or james and then joel coming up with the dho and he goes right down the middle of the floor they love that action they run it all game long so i know they have very basic actions in their book that they can run and yet i'm sitting here i'm like do something other than a pick and roll or something that actually gets somebody to be involved in the offense and instead of just standing and staring and i i get it like you have a heliocentric point guard in james harden who you know is ball dominant who sets everybody up he also needs people to move to get themselves open so he can find them for passes and I get it. He probably wants, you know, they probably want the floor spread. It doesn't mean you can't cut around the baselines and you can't, and you can't, hey, set a back screen for me so I can, you know, maybe we can force them to just think a little bit and can make defenses do a little bit of work. And I feel like they haven't done enough of that off the ball lately. And that's kind of why they've, they've, they, they, they fall into this malaise of, oh, I'm just going to stand around and watch. Yeah. I mean, I think just like, just as a basketball, like, fan or somebody who's ever just like played the game 
I, I think like even if Joe is making those elbow jumpers, which may, a lot of times he is because he's just awesome. Uh, but think about like like you said, the other three guys are standing around. That's not hard to guard. Like, yeah. okay, maybe he'll make it. But think about the other three players, probably the other team's best offensive players are on that. Like, you know, think about a team like Golden State. I'm not saying they're perfect. Like, they've finished lower in offense. But, like, all those split cuts, all those ball movement, like, that is kind of a bitch to guard for those yeah. guys. Like, you have to run around screens. Like, that, that is clearly taking one player on the other team. It's making them more tired on offense. It just just is. Uh, the other three guys who are guarding the Sixers, other three guys – that like seems like a job. Like I would sign up for that if I was yeah. a player. I'd be like, coach, give me, let me let me take PJ. Let me take like, even like Tobias, good player. Like let me take him. Like he's not really uh, doing all that much. And you're right. Like the Chicago action, we know that they run it. When did they run it? They ran it the week that all those guys were out. That's what they did. They yeah. shake, get in the corner, and you know we'll get the ball. We'll throw delay, and then we'll have Montrez, you know, off the Chicago action and. The run it, yeah. It's funny. It's just like the delay with Joel and James. Like it just stops now. It just stops at the top of the key, and then it's like an ISO. Uh, yeah, look, man, I I agree with you. I I think it's it's generally uh, easier to guard, and I feel like those guys in the week that or you know the couple weeks, whatever it was, it was the one week when all of those guys were out. But you know the couple weeks where a bunch of those guys were out, they showed like that they're not they're not incapable of you know attacking from the second side right like they can continue to get the ball so yeah that's the other reason why it's just like ah, it just got to be more like you know we're talking about tobias after last night's game and by the way it deserves a lot of praise for kind of just huge huge for just taking a smaller role and he played a role that like if if you want to win a title like he wasn't good enough to have that role like yeah. just to have the ball that much but he actually has taken this role and and i think doc is correct to praise him like when you don't touch the ball for five minutes like those shots are not that easy, but I think we should revisit the, why, why is he not touching the ball for five minutes again? Like, yeah. like just like a little touch here and there, like he's pretty damn good. Uh, and so I, I definitely think uh, there just, there just needs to be a little bit more. I, w- one more thought on that. Like I, I mentioned they're third in ISOs. Think about how much time Embiid has missed. Uh, like in yeah. terms of, you know, in terms of uh, frequency, if, if him and Harden have played the whole year, they'd probably be first by a mile in that. Like we, yeah. we, we are watching them, Isolate more than Brooklyn, more than Dallas. Like it's it's pretty wild. It's it's funny. Like you go back to the first year where they have been, and without knowing the numbers, I would assume because they didn't have any kind of shot creators on those te- on those teams, they were low. They must have been a very low ISO team. And you're like, I'm begging for just somebody to come in and be a shot creator, just so that way they can have a little bit of ISO to them. And now you're like, no, I want you to stop that, please. It, it's 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 making me want to throw up when i watch these games um i've, I've talked about that with Derek. it's just like it's the exact opposite and now you just want the opposite thing because it's whatever yeah. like so i don't i don't exactly know what there is probably there's probably a middle ground between the two of them no nah, absolutely yeah. what would you if, if you had to extend tobias what would your number be oh man i mean see i i'm more of a tobias guy than most people just I so am I. Yeah. yeah uh just because like i i understood the idea of okay, maybe trade him this summer, break him into two if you can. That never really was, like, realistically on the table. That's, like, much easier to say in practice than yeah. – because, like, the guys you get back are just not as good as him. And, and is he a perfect fit? No. Like, is he a perfect defender? No. He's, like, a weirdly versatile defender, but he also falls asleep off the ball. And he sometimes is 
is rebounding can be an issue, all of those things. Dude, I, you know what? I don't even know. Like, cause with the way the cap is going up, like I, you know, would it be like 20 something million, you know, something yeah. like that in there. Uh, cause again, like the, the cap is going up like 20 something million is not going to be different. Uh, or it's, it's not going to be what it is now. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a good question. And I, I certainly have thought over the years, like, again, like his contract is, I think once you get to this trade deadline, his contract is not bad anymore. Correct. When you have like one more, one year left, like it's, yeah, it's a lot of money, but like, first off, he's a good player. He's a good teammate, all of those things. And he's only there for one more year. So like, it's not like a, a burdensome deal. So it'll be interesting to see if he does, um, you know, ultimately get moved. But I would just kind of say like, he's not a guy I've, at least in the last probably like a year or so, I, I wouldn't be like looking to move him. No, I, I he, He's the type of guy where like he can give you he can add his nights where it's like eight points, five assists, five, five rebounds, whatever. And you, then you look at the aggregate of what he does and you're like, I can't think of many guys that you can get in return that are going to actively make your team better. Like like today, for example, with the whole Zach Levine Chicago uh, thing that's happening, people are like, well, would you do Tobias for Zach Levine? I'm like. In a vacuum, Zach Levine's a better offensive player because of you know the, what he can do, you know whatnot. He's also a horrific defender, horrific. And Tobias is a better defender than he is. I, I, and Tobias is also a, a forward who fits your needs, and you don't need another guard. Like that's not a trade that I look at, and I'm like, yeah, I do that. Like no, I, I think I would decline that trade if I'm if I'm the Sixers. I do too, from like an asset standpoint. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd rather have Levine, although his injuries are also. That's something too. I know Toby's been a little bit banged up here, but like generally an Iron Man over his career. Uh, Levine certainly has dealt with some stuff. Yeah, I, I, it's weird to say because like that's something you know over the past couple of years, deal that could never. How many how many picks would you have to trade yeah. uh, attached to Tobias for Zach Levine? And I think part of that is the contract as well. Uh, you know, and now that Zach Levine has a long extension too, so maybe it's a little bit of the opposite. Uh, which, which, by the way, are we are we sure that Scotty Barnes is still untouchable in trade talks for Kevin Durant? Yeah, I yeah, look about that one. <laughs> they are they're tough to watch that team. That right now. no shot creation whatsoever. It's 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 like it's like you're watching a Sixers team of a couple like in the last couple of years, but like they kind of are with the times where they're just long and athletic, but they just don't have like the cohesive skills that you need to connect all those pieces together. Yeah, I like that. Like a better version of like the Iguodala fat teams yeah. that were like. Yeah. You didn't have somebody in the half court. Although I will say Siakam has has been pretty good, but but yeah, if he's your best guy, uh, and he's awesome last night, so yeah, and he, you know he didn't injure anybody either too. So that's yeah, that's, that's always a good one. Um, over the last five games, this is a trend that is I think is very bizarre and concerning, despite them winning five in a row. Over the last five games, opponents are scoring 132 nearly points per 100 transition plays, which would be the third best transition offense in the league over the course of, of a season. You would think that the offensive rebounding for the Sixers, uh, you know, those things those things usually go hand in hand. If you, if if you know you're you're trying to, uh, you know, really get back in transition, and that means that you're not trying, you know, you're not trying to get, get get to the glass. Sixers also have an offensive rebounding percentage of nineteen point six six, which would be dead last of the season by a substantial margin. That doesn't make a lot of sense because usually you're giving up one of those things for the other and they're horrific at both. That, 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 that doesn't, how, how, how is that 
a thing. I, I think when it comes down to, at least in my eyes, from what I've when I rewatch the games, number one is effort. Like with Harden on the court, you're basically four guys getting back at any at any given transition opportunity because he's not he's not trying. He's just gonna he'll take a, he'll take a, he'll take a one step just to see if eh, maybe I'm feeling it. And you're like, no, I'm not. I'm just gonna stay back here, and you guys can get me when you're ready. Um, and you know, so it's inherently you're, it's difficult four on five, or what, you know when when you won't have four guys getting back, and you're already at a disadvantage because transition. But they also give up a lot of bad shots. Like they give up a lot of threes in transition, and their rotations and decision making aren't that great. What do you what do, what do you make of the fact that not only is their transition defense terrible, but also their offensive rebounding is terrible? <laughs> Uh, I think it's effort, man. Like I think you said that. Like it's 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 tough too because you know I think you know this. Like I don't like to just be like you're not trying hard enough. Like I think that is old sports writer, very easy. Like there are different ways to explain it. Uh, in this case, I think it was effort. I mean, you remember that the first five or six games of the year they were setting like app like they were almost breaking cleaning the glasses transition. Uh, metrics for how bad they were like, it, was, <laughs> it was literally it was insane man like it was like and also too it was the first five games of the year what, what is going on like i think you can accept this a little bit in late february early march like the the doldrums of the season when you've already banked 38 wins or something like that yeah. and you know i think i think it's fair to say that they played too many games in the nba uh there's bad effort why, why is there bad effort when you're starting though that's not yeah. what it is they they have gotten that in check i would say over the the next 20 or so games you're right the last five games have been pretty bad but I, I would just say like when it's bad it's effort because when teams play against them there are times the Sixers eat in transition but it is a product of the other team just you know sending three or four guys to the rim where every rebound is like really hard to get and you know to the credit I feel like in recent games they've gotten a little better uh at you know, pitching the ball out to Tobias, pitching the ball out to Shake, and getting easy stuff. They got easy stuff against Toronto in uh, in last night's game. That the bench unit did a really good job getting some easy ones, which is good to see because it's not really the fastest yeah. team in the world. Uh, but yes, uh, when that is bad, it's effort. Uh, Harden is a terrible defensive player. There's just no, there's no way around it. You know, I think they could still win a bunch of games. I think, yeah. still think they could be a decent playoff team with it. But he's just he's not good in the half court. And even when he's getting back in transition, like he's not good at really stopping the ball. Like he's, uh, you know, his everybody knows his main two things are like he can play post defense and switch because he doesn't have to move doing that, and he's actually a little stronger than he looks. Yeah, and his hands are pretty good, but sometimes he fouls people. When he does yeah, that too. and those yeah. are the two things. But anything that requires him to move, which transition is certainly one of those things, it's it's tough. Uh, so for them, I think it's just got to be about like limiting the possession game like okay there's I, I don't ever see a chance when the Sixers are going to be the team that's running the ball down the other team's throat and they're stopping the transition and they're hitting the glass but I think we saw it in that Toronto series for the most part last year where they that was a team that was supposed to eat on them in terms of uh offensive rebounding and transition that that double that you had to say and they I think it, they, they were okay at it and okay enough to allow their talent in the half court and all the other stuff that matters to kind of shine through but i think it's after i think they were it was the playoffs and they were actually locked in and they were yeah that's what it was yeah like i'm like i'm whenever a shot goes up first of all joel is typically outside because joel likes to be outside 
when the shot goes up because he's either waiting to screen once once wants to catch himself. Mm-hmm. But he's usually never by the rim. And PJ will try. He God will he try, but just not big enough <laughs> to, to get these rebounds against these massive guys. And I don't think they have a lot of. I don't think the Sixers as a team are constructed to be a great rebounding team because like they're like Montrez horrible rebounder, horrible rebounder. Uh, Paul Reed, when he gets in the game, can be a decent rebounder, but like you're not going to give play him enough to really have that count for you that much. You're also switching a lot too, so yeah. he's farther away from the rim sometimes too. Yeah, which is tough. yeah. And Joel is as big as as big and monstrous as he is, has never been a great rebounder. So I mean, th- this team is not a great rebounding team, and I, I think PJ helps with that a little bit when when, when you bring him in this past off season, but. When the shot goes up, there's nobody near the glass. And so you're thinking, okay, there's nobody near the glass. Then why isn't there anybody getting back either? You're, the first step is to, in the opposite direction is just not quick enough. And effort. I think that there that that's a sign of coasting through, you know, an 82 game season and trying to limit some of the potential risks at play when you, you know, try to try to go hard. But that is a trend that is not a championship trend. If we're, if, if, if we're going to also get killed on the glass, we got to, you know, we, we got to get back, but ain't doing that either. So I, I think it'll even out in the playoffs come, but it's, it's a very bizarre, I guess, counterintuitive item. I think their trend, their, their path to success, like what end of that trade-off they're going to win when they're good, like what, what half are they going to take? It's got to be the transition defense. Cause I don't really see the rebounding. Yeah. Potential, like I think PJ. I mean, I, also I think the first five games, like when I was, you know, they were breaking cleaning the glass. I think that spooked them, and I think they they told Tobias and George and those guys, like, get back, like, just get, yeah, you know, you're not, and you know, they're probably not doing a great job of it over the past five games, but they have done a better job of it, no, um, sure. since the beginning of the year. But I, I think that's the thing they have to to take away because they just don't they don't have great rebounds. I mean, like you said it, like Joel is like a He's kind of a bad rebounder on both yeah. ends of the court. Like I just think his, uh, especially like on the defensive glass too. Like it's just I, he gets them because he's big, obviously. But there are times where he just doesn't really box out. And you know what? Like I will say, like you know, people compliment like Brook Lopez and his boxing out. Brook Lopez doesn't have to do what Joel Embiid has to do. On yeah. So I I understand it a little bit, but it's it is part of your story and kind of how um, how you have to construct this team. I also think like you look at the, the the Houston game and when you're getting beat off the dribble so much like they were in that game, you're forcing him to still lift up just a little bit. Like even if it's just like a step, he has yeah. to lift just to stop. Yeah. And when the shot goes up, he can't just, you know, he's trying to contest. You need your teammates to crash a little bit and block out. And they don't do that either. So when you get somebody getting a put back dunk on your head, that's as much a reflection on his teammates as it is him, even though he gets the discredit for that, if you will. So I think, yeah. you know, I think, but I do think that he can, when he, when he knows it's important, he will be the one to get to the glass. He, he, he when he knows it matters, he will apply himself as a rebounder. Um, one thing I wanted to, yeah, I think is very interesting. They are using the three guard lineup a little more. Doc said the other night, like this was more out of necessity because of the people they don't have. Um, I don't want that to be the case. I think the Harden, Melton, Milton trio is actually a very interesting trio. And you apply that even further to Tyrese. Um, according to, and I think it was, uh, this is clean the glass, third, they're plus 
per 100 possessions and 43 possessions with with James, uh, uh, Shake, and D'Anthony. Uh, they're plus five overall in 27 minutes, and the their effective field goal is 61. Opponents are 46. So they're limited, limited sample size for sure. But there, there are some signs that it's working on both sides of the court. I don't know that you can do that and go small that way in the playoffs because you look at the you look at the landscape of, of the East. Boston took a step back defensively. It's like I think maybe you could even just try that, but against against uh, you know Milwaukee, if you're facing them, I don't think you can go that small against Milwaukee. Um, Brooklyn might be able to do it because they don't have any rebounding. Maybe you can win that battle, but I don't know that there's like a meaningful playoff series against an opponent where you can say, let's try to deploy this three guard lineup and, you know, maybe move PJ to the five or, you know, let five will play the four. Um, and, you know, I, I want to see them experiment with that a little bit when Tyrese gets back because of the dynamic that of speed that he adds to the equation. Uh, what do you think of the three guard lineups? Yeah, I'd like to see more of it. I mean, I am all for experimentation. Like, as much as I'm saying, like, you know, these wins aren't that impressive, like, or whatever, like, that's fine. Um, they're they're doing what I expect them to do, you know, those type of things. Like, try some stuff. And I, I think the three-guard lineup is, you know, as much crap as Doc takes, and I think some of it is fair for sure. Uh, I feel like they've experimented in some ways this year, not with the offense, like we said. That's a little too ISO. Uh, centric, but like they play zone a lot, which I don't really like, but it shows me they're trying shit, you know. Like, so that's like, I think that's cool. I think the three guard lineups are, you know, something when I looked at the rotation coming into the year, I was like, eh, I don't know if you want to do that. You feel like you're, you're okay at wing, but you know, with House and Thibel, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure those guys should be preventing you from, uh, from at least trying it. And I, I would say the, the key component in there of the three guard lineup and a guy who's been, Better than I thought, and I thought it was going to be pretty good. Is Anthony Melton? Yeah, he's fun. He's a fun dude to watch. And like we were just talking about the rebounding, he's the one dude who like yeah. When you know they play Houston and they have you know Houston's got all these wing athletes like just crashing the glass like crazy, and Joel's basically under siege. And you're right, it's not completely his fault that uh, that he's under siege. The Anthony Melton's like the one guy on the Sixers who can jump with those guys. Yeah, and uh, and he has you know like it's very clear like his steal numbers, his block numbers, his rebounding numbers, everything athletic-wise, like Mr. Do-Something is a fair nickname for him. He's good. And, you know, and he's a willing shooter too. Sometimes he has bad offensive nights. That's okay. I'm not too worried about that. Uh, So he's been impressive. And I think, you know, having him play kind of the three, yeah, he's not big enough to guard like, you know, Kevin Durant or like the normal threes or whatever. But, you know, not a lot of people are. Um so I, I would like to experiment more with it. I wonder if, you know, I, I think you mentioned, what, what is it? It's Melton, Milton, Harden has been pretty good, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I got that, got that in front of me right now. Yeah. That's been good. And then Melton, Harden, Maxi has also been good. Yeah. Uh, although that, that's done a lot less. So I, I think he's kind of the, the critical piece because even with Shake in there, like Shake's okay, I guess, defensively, like. I wouldn't call him like amazing, but he's definitely better than Harden and Maxi are. Um, you're not like a great defensive backcourt there. And yeah. I think you're going to have to win with offense. I, I guess like it, it to me, it's kind of interesting. And like, who are the two big men that you play with those groups? Cause I, I kind of think they should be Joel lineups almost just because yeah. like the lack of size. I mean, look, we can, 
I could make fun of Joel's rebounding all he wants. Like they're they're like nine points better defensively uh, when he plays, and that's like for a very obvious reason. Like he's yeah. just he's big and he's smart, and even when he's being a little, you know, a little bit of conserving energy, he, he can clean up stuff. So that would be something. Like it's funny Doc mentioned like playing that group with Thibel, and I don't know. I, I I'm not sure about that. I mean, again, that would add more defense, but you know, maybe, maybe that's the, the the team you go with. Maybe you play Thibel and you try and get him and Melton to be running around. I know when they've played, they have not been very good, but they have yeah. forced a crap ton of turnovers, which makes sense. Maybe you try and match them up with your three great offensive players and see like how that works. I'd, lo- I'd love to see more of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, when it gets to guts of the playoffs, if you get to where you want to go, that lineup is not the, the foundation of that lineup is probably not going to get too many stops. You're, you're trying to steal a couple minutes here and there uh, with, you know, going small and just kind of daring your opponent to be like, let's see if you can go this small and stay in front of us. And, you know, are you going to switch this? Really? Do you want, do you want to have uh, Al Horford out, you know, guarding Tyrese Maxey on the perimeter, you know, like even if it's not necessarily to, to your success, you just kind of want to dare your opponent to try to keep up with you, which I don't know that you can keep up with that kind of a, of, of, of a three man, uh, unit and to your point about the Anthony, like I think mm-hmm. that lineup can win a possession on defense here and there, just because he's coming from the weak side and he's blocking off the rim. You know, like he, you know, he, he's swooping in from nowhere and just volleyball spiking it off the glass, and then you're out and running. I mean, yeah, if you play with that that lineup I just suggested with Embiid and. And hard like Embiid and Harden can chill in the backcourt while Harden throws a, a hit ahead pass to the other. Those, I mean, those are what? Those are your three fastest players on your team. You're actually like a pretty fast group getting up and down the court if those are your three guys. Now, can you make it work? You know, Thibel, obviously, in any sort of half court game is the same issue he's always been. But yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I want to see it. I still think when I look at this team and some of the guys have been up and down house has been, you know, hurt and he wasn't very good to start the year. Like, I still think they have more tools to work with in past years. And that's, I guess that could be one reason for optimism that like, you know, and like last year's team, it's like, Oh, uh, Korkmaz has to play. Like, you know, he's like, you're not man. Thibel has to play. Like, it's not like, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, doc is taking him out. Well, he's putting him in for Korkmaz. Like, I feel like, there are more NBA rotation players in this group that can kind of do winning things when it, you know, house can guard bigger guys, those type of things. Uh, so yeah, I, I would like to see them experiment with it more, but uh, you know, in, in fairness to them, like they've been super banged up so that they haven't really had all those options available. They've, yeah. they've experimented with some of them because they've had to, but not, not all of them. You actually just gave me a good segue to the last thing I wanted to cover with you. Um, I don't know with with, with Fiebel, I, I just I, I'm not seeing it anymore. Like the, the way that I did the first couple of years. Like the offense is one thing. Like I get it; he's not a great offensive player. He never will be. It's whatever. I need you then to be a, a superior, top of the line, all world defensive player. And yet here I am watching him. He, he he gets he gets stuck on the back hip a lot, and he fouls guys from behind. He fouls them from the side. He gets beat to the basket a ton. You know, uh, he gambles and gets beat for you know to, he, his gambles result in guys getting open shots. I, I just um I don't get it, you know, anymore. And like I think Doc has done a decent job situationally with him this season, but 
I just don't see a world where you can play him big minutes when games matter. And that makes me, and like on the other hand, has Dan, has D, Daniel house been great? No, he's, he's what you get when you pay 3 million for a guy for the biannual exception, but a little bit better offensively because he can make shots and like with some, some level of consistency he also isn't afraid to dribble the ball and like put a little bit of pressure on the rim. You know, I think defensively he can be a little bit of a scatterbrain sometimes, but I find myself trusting him more than I trust Matisse. Totally. And that's probably right. That's like, that would be the four in that lineup. It would be house because like, I, I still like talking about Thibel, but I mean, like he's still the same player he's always been. And the same player is a guy who teams are just not going to guard in the playoffs. And uh, house, you're right. He's not afraid to dribble. In fact, he loves doing it because every catch and shoot shot he takes turns into <laughs> a, a one step step back, which is very funny because he, you know what? And he's starting to make a decent amount of them. So I'm not like, I'm not even mad at him. It's kind of a funny uh, idiosyncratic thing for him. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely think he is the, the safer bet probably more long-term. He is, he weirdly is like when, when you get him in transition, like that dude is like, He's trying to tear somebody's head off on these dunks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he tries like some pretty hard stuff. Like yeah. it's uh so I, I do get a kick out of uh out of that. Completely agree. Like his defense, I, I wonder if it's a a matter of like he played in Houston for such a long time with Harden where they switched. And it's like in some ways that's an e- when you switch one to five, you don't have to make the uh you know, you don't have to trap the box on the on the weak side. You don't have to, you know, tag the roll man, do those things, and uh, you know, X out. You know, all, all of these off ball things, and maybe that's going to take some uh, some getting used to. I mean, you know, also like he needs to like not cut his foot on whatever he did this week. That was kind of like a weird explanation he gave. There. That was a weird explanation. <laughs> didn't really, didn't really. He was like, I think somebody was like, "Were you in your home when it happened?" He was like, "No." Yeah. Uh, yeah. I asked him. I was like, "It was like, did you step on a Lego?" And he was like, "He's like, no." I was like, "Okay, whatever you say." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, definitely some scatterbrain tendencies. I I agree with you. Like, I think he is the the safer bet because like as much as I like Matisse as a person as much as I enjoy him when the chaos he's creating it, all of those things, it just fundamentally comes down to the same thing. And a similar thing to Ben Simmons, if you're not being guarded, it just doesn't matter. Really. It really just, it doesn't matter all that much. And I hate that basketball is centered that way, that that's the, that's the issue. But until they change the rules, that's what's going to be. And PJ Tucker has been like, you know, getting laps for, for a long time. I think when push comes to shove, he's going to get guarded in the in the playoffs because people are going to be afraid of him taking those nine forty percent three point shooting. Yeah, not, well, and I think he's gotten like a little bit like this touch bit better from from deep in recent games. Um, I, you know, the the thing that I was like, was like he just hasn't learned was the Laker game again when he fouls Austin Reeves. Like you had one job, just one one simple job: don't foul a three point shooter. Yeah, can test. I can't. I can't. And, he just goes and runs right into him and commits a three-shot foul. And you would think that the – and I get it. Like, you know, the heat of the moment, you're trying to go in there and do your best job that you can. But you got to learn from when you do it again in the playoffs against the Hawks in game seven and you foul a three-point shooter on a, on a critical possession of the game. And that was kind of when I was like, look, he hasn't gotten better offensively in th- four years. He still makes a lot of the same mistakes defensively. What are we? What are we doing here? Why should I trust this guy? 
to be a contributor in the playoffs. And I couldn't come up with a reason on either end. Yeah, no, that that specific play, like it got lost because they, they won the game and because you know Harden was throwing the ball all over the gym and PJ and Melton made some really bad mistakes in that game. That is a play like you just can't make. Like that's just like, you know, and a lot of people want him as a defensive sub late in games. And I think you can point to that because like you said, it happened in the Hawks game famously. It happens a decent amount where he fouls these guys and it's like you can't have that. Like you just that, that is a play you can't make. The, the Sixers are not asking for you to block the shot. Like you, you need to just defend without fouling as best as possible. So that is an issue. I completely agree with you too. Like in terms of like one on one defense, like you can get by them. Like you can you can get them on your hip. You can get them to jump after that happens. The the fundamental elements of defense. I wonder if some of that is just like the league has kind of caught up to them and kind of scouted them a little bit better. I wonder if some of it too, I said this to Derek on our last pod. Uh, I wonder if some of it is that he doesn't get to play with Ben Simmons anymore, where I think if you have the two of those guys playing together, there were times that they just like were so crazy together and they were so fast and they covered so much ground that that actually became like a defense unto himself, unto itself. I'm not saying that was going to work in the playoffs, but to get you through the regular season, I think that was a card the Sixers could play that other teams really couldn't, and he was a big part about that. Um, I, I do want to say one thing in Matisse's favor: they've been awesome when he has played this year. Randall. Correct. I haven't dug it. I haven't but, dug into the numbers of why that has happened because I agree with you. Like he looks like a similar player. I'm seeing the same mistakes, but he's like their second. I think it's like him and Joel are like the top two guys in terms of it. So maybe it's just one of those weird years. Like I'm not freaking out about it or anything like that. But just I guess worth knowing I, you know and people have brought that up to me like that's like a common refrain in the you know in in when i have conversations about matisse it's like the advanced numbers said this and i'm like I, and i'm a, I'm a you know I, I i dig in the numbers all the time i'm a big pro numbers guy that's a scenario where like okay numbers say this you're also looking at net rating where you, it's the largely dependent upon the four other guys on the court and, you know, plus minus similar thing, unless you're comparing, you know, exactly what happens when Joel leaves the court and Montrez Harrell comes on the court. It's hard to grasp that individual players. Worse, worse stuff happens. In that yeah. Situation. Yeah. You know, how much of it is he it, there that those lineups are great because of his insertion versus they're great despite him being there, you know, and um, it, I, I just like the, the, the simple thing you ask him to do just to like. We need you to, to 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 apply pressure to the ball and make a, make make a a guy's life a little bit harder as he shoots a, a game tying three, and that hands back, just hands back, keep your hands back, jump, don't jump into him, just jump straight up and put pressure on him. Now nah, I'm just gonna whack him in the back of the head. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hit him. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know go right into his legs, and and I'm gonna be surprised when they call the foul. I. I why I can't trust it, and I, I'm 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 happy that I'm not the crazy one because you agreed with me there. Um, Some of it, you, look, sometimes you just got to watch the game. Sometimes yeah. you got to watch it and say, yeah. "Yeah, I don't believe it for this reason because of the plays he's making in front of me." Yeah. yeah. Uh, last question I have for you. You know, it's December twentieth. Trade deadline is in February. You look at this team, and I was high on their backup five standing. You know, coming into the year. I'm not as worried about it as I have been in previous years, but I'm not convinced anymore either. Um, you look at what this team needs with the limited assets they have. Backup five or more wing depth 
for you or is it something else? Uh, I, I always tend to go with more wing depth on these things. Like as much as I like uh, chronicling the, uh, the era of backup five disasters that this team has had. I always call it the uh, ner- nerdy reference, but the defense against the dark arts position from, uh, <laughs> from Harry Potter, it just changes every year. And it's always something bad is, uh, is going to happen. I still think between B-Ball Paul and PJ, like they'll be okay. Like I think one of those guys will figure it out. So I always default more towards wing depth, but I, I agree with you. Like I thought they were kind of going to roll teams in the, the backup minutes in part because of the backup fives. I thought Reed was going to take a step forward and, um, you know, he just hasn't been quite as good. Like he just, he just has not been, I I don't think he's a bad player by any means. And I think some of it has to do with like Harden has not played great in the minutes they've played together. Like, it's like you said, like you can't just put the net rating all on one person that said, I don't think he's been like as much of a positive force as you would want him to be. Um, Trez has been his net rating has been better, but when I watch him and the numbers bear this out, he's not the finisher he used to be. He's not even close. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. I think at one point he was like at, I want to say fifty percent at the rim, which I think, it, I think it's only still like fifty three. Yeah, glad. And I think for his career he was at like I looked I looked at this a couple weeks ago, so I don't know what it what it, I don't remember exactly. It was something like seventy was around where he had been, and then which is awesome. Like I'll take seventy percent all day long. And then you have this monstrous fall off. And by the way, he's never, ever been a capable defender. And he is statistically the maybe one of the five worst rebounding bigs in the NBA. So I don't – you don't know what you're getting from him on a night-to-night basis. He's been a little better lately. That that quick hook shot always gets me. I, I don't ever know what, what's going to happen with that thing. He kind of throws it over the shoulder with like one little one little short hook, and you're like, oh, let's, let's see how that goes. Um, but, yeah – he loses the ball all the time under the basket. He gets rim blocked. He gets layup blocked. He, what, what happened? Is this another instance of guy comes to Sixers, guy can no longer do, do job? Like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think he just aged probably quicker than most people. He's only like 28. But, you know, you mentioned him losing the ball into the rim. Like, Prime Trez was, again, he never was a good playoff player because of his defense, but Prime Trez in the regular season, like he would get one of those offensive rebounds under the rim and there'd be like three guys around him and his strength would allow him and his leaping ability. And like, just like his, his toughness on those plays would allow him to kind of burrow through those guys and get a layup up off the rim and make it. Uh, he, that's just not there anymore. Like there was a couple plays in that Kings game last week, which they won. But think about this, like they scored 80 points in the first half and they, they could have scored probably 160 if they kept trying the entire yeah. game. Uh, there were like three or four plays where Harden hit him on the pick and roll. They were playing conventional and he gave him the little lefty pocket pass. We always see like, he's like wide open. He like blew a tire three times. Like these are easy ones, man. This is like, this is not that hard. Like I think Reed finishes those ones. So that's, yeah, I think, uh, I think Trez playing in the regular season is for a little while is fine. Like whatever. I do think like in terms of him and Reed there, even with the lack of athleticism, the way he runs, like delay and stuff like that, is way better. He's way better. At it. Like he's just yeah. much yeah. more decisive, better passer, all those things. Yeah. Uh, but he is the one guy of the three, even though all three have been somewhat disappointing. Reed, the Tucker alignment, and uh, and Trez, he is the one that I'm confident. Like I don't think that's working in the playoffs. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. There, there's no way. And I, I wonder if we'll get the similar like 
like I'm gonna play DeAndre Jordan whether you want me to or not. And then only to only to three days later, okay, we're just not we're gonna forget that he existed. Um, my I think my favorite quality of Trez is he'll get fouled and like not even an M one, he'll get fouled and then he goes and to our corner of the court and just bell- bellows and like all right. It, just go to the free throw line and make these two, and then you bellow at us. But you know, until then, I kind of like that man. He like flexes, you know. He's like a yeah. professional wrestler. You know, he, he, like, he gets excited by everything. It's fantastic. Yeah. He's, uh, uh, yeah, he I, he does make me laugh uh, with uh, with his enthusiasm that he plays with. It just just make a few more laughs, you know. No, nah, exactly. Rich Hoffman, your work is uh, outstanding over at the athletic. Anything you want to plug real quickly? No, no, just. Uh, the Athletic, Sixers beat, those two things. That's all. All right, man. Well, I will see you uh, tomorrow against Detroit. No Cade Cunningham. It'll be – I'm sure it'll be a wire-to-wire nail-biter, like it always is. Yeah, <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> see you, Austin. stepping back and Wanted to take a couple moments at the end of this pod to dedicate it to my 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 college roommate, uh, my my best friends in the world, Antonio. He uh, I mentioned this on Twitter. He passed away uh, about a I guess a, two weeks, one week, two weeks ago. Um, you know, un- unexpectedly to me, um, and he was one of the you know big figures that really pushed me to pursue uh sports as a job um he i started out at a villanova student radio station uh doing a sports radio show every friday with a couple of friends he would listen to every show um <clears throat> when i told him i had gotten into podcasting um he got me a microphone and he was you know a catalyst and he was he believed in me uh he was one of my biggest fans in the world and I don't know that I would be where I am today covering the Sixers uh, with the platform that I have and, you know, working my way up here without him first seeing the, twink- the twinkle in my eye when I, get, you know, was on uh, talking about sports or writing about sports. He saw the things in me that nobody saw. Um, and I owe a lot of, you know, where I am today to him. So to my brother uh my my best friends um uh, i'm happy that you are you know at, at peace um i'm gonna miss you buddy i love you forever and uh rest in peace this one's for you